Honestly, the best part of that is his accountant. Copious doinks? I guess that means, like, missed shots? It was six months ago, so this was after the double doink. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all around the world, we present you another ripping edition of the Dan vs. D Sports and Stuff Podcast with the initials DVD, as in DVD player, I'm your player, D with two E's, and always with me by my side, who's also doing like uh, hand motions as I'm doing my whole shtick, is... Stan with an A-N. Dan, the man he can. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Man. It's uh, it's been a while, you know. Is uh, I really think the biggest news we have to report is that we're actually recording with two mics right now. Yeah, and uh, we don't have one mic anymore. We don't. Then uh, we always have two mics, but then like you just have like a better like we just have like better quality mics now. So no, no, no. We for the vast majority of the episodes we've recorded to date, we had one microphone equidistant between us. Oh, um, okay. And I used I used a condenser mic for that purpose, obviously, to sort of get more of a broader picture of the room. But we're we're sort of tradition traditioning. We're sort of transitioning <laughs> to a more traditional radio slash podcasting setup here. I'm on the uh, shout out to Rode Microphones, the who is not a sponsor of this podcast, man, uh, because I'm using the brand new Rode Pod mic here. And D is on a uh, Shure uh, Beta 58. Yeah, I'm just thinking of um, like how we used to do. Like it made me think of I forgot which uh, which uh, um, comedian did this. Did the shtick where back in the day, where uh, you know how like. Uh, I think during the times, like you know, he had like hip hop artists stuff. They all you have like uh, five hip hop artists on on the same stage. They have their own mic. While back in the day, you had like the Temptations. They would like dance and stuff, and they'll like come. They'll converge together and sing along that alongside Into one that mic in the one middle mic, of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how how our process was back in the day. I love that. So yeah, so we're we're. Um, we're stepping up to the pros now, or the semi-pros. So yeah, uh, we're we're back. We're we're live here, and uh, Chiefs won the Super know, Bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nothing significant's really been in the news lately. I was kind of wondering what the hell we were going to talk about after two months. Oh no, you tell me. I mean, it's uh, not like there's been. It's not like. There, you know, haven't been a lot of like horrible things happening or anything. No, no, sir. No, it's been all peaches, peaches and cream. Yes. Eh. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if you have a pulse, you probably know what's going on uh, with the just uh, pandemic that's sweeping across the world. And uh, we had a very, very surreal night last night where uh, I heard because, you know, I get these ESPN alerts on my phone. And I'm sitting here and I mm-hmm. got home from work and I was uh, just literally like farting around on the computer and I got an alert saying that like somebody ran out onto the court right before uh, a uh, a jazz, I think a jazz home game, and uh, and they canceled the game. And I was like, oh, I think I know why. And I immediately went and like pulled up because there was several other games that were ongoing at that exact moment. 
so I immediately went and like pulled up the uh, the ESPN broadcast, which was a um, it was uh, the Nuggets. And I'm blanking on the other team right now because obviously the teams involved almost are tangential to the story. But yeah, kind of over the next couple hours, literally watched like the NBA shut down in like on live television, and it was. Pretty wild, man. I've never seen anything like it. Not, yeah, not even from the NBA lockout. Yeah. No, I mean, because, you know, typically those happen, like, before, you know, like, in the off season and yeah. behind closed doors when it's, like, a business dispute uh, yep. or labor dispute, you know, like, uh, and, you know, this was on the heels of, of the league, apparently, according to, according to Woj, like, had a conference call and basically decided – Okay, tomorrow we're going to announce that we're going to play games for the rest of the season without fans, and but too late, the virus had just already made its way into the player pool, and uh, and obviously it was Rudy Gobert, the guy who you know was a, was a freaking funny man when he was touching all those cell phones, and uh, you know I don't have the heart to like make a whole lot of fun here because it, it's a really serious thing, and I mean he's uh, like. To be clear, like his prognosis is fine. He's doing well. He's not even really that sick, at least according to people that have talked to him. So fine. But like Donovan Mitchell was diagnosed today. So like, you know, it's a real thing, man. And uh, Mm. yeah, don't don't be Rudy Gobert about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. um, So the coronavirus, um, let's see. Last night, like they were talking about... um, Let's see. They're talking about some, you know, canceling some of the games, um, like the conference tournaments. Uh, they made the announcement officially the, early this morning about they were con- they were canceling all the conference championship games. All right, yeah, t- conference tournaments. Okay, that's fine. And then there was like there was on a table of you know maybe suspending the um, uh, the men and women's um, NCAA tournament. Okay, that's fine. Bef- like right when I finished, um, I-, I finished my work and stuff. And I went to the break room, had to grab uh, my remaining lunch. Uh, they had the TV on ESPN, right? And I see, I see that I-, I saw that, and then on my phone that they're canceling the they they canceling the whole tournament now. And like canceling, right? Like they're Cancel. not they're not going to bring the kids back and try to make it up. That's or anything. what I'm talking about. That's why I'm um this when I said wait and see when we're at the target. I said wait and see because mm, disclaimer. I've been in the medical field you know, as a CNA and off and on for like ten years. So I I am one who will promote. Health and wellness, safety, well-being, and all that stuff. For, like for crying out loud, like I'm OCD about washing my hands and stuff. You know that. I was gonna say you're you're at no risk here. Yeah, you <laughs> I, never I, know. I'm joking, but like, yeah, no. But yeah, I, I hate the decision that the NCAA made. I think it was very rushed, and uh, it was a rash decision because the NBA. Like the NBA suspended this season, which means they put it on the shelf. Same thing right. with the NHL. Same thing with MLB. But they didn't even take it up. They didn't even think about taking a breath and um, reevaluating the situation or waiting for the developments and stuff to be like, okay, let's 
let's um let's stop operations and then let's revisit in like a month no they canceled the damn tournament the whole shebang now I kind of knew we were. Uh, I kind of knew it, uh, it was screwed when they were talking about playing without the fans for March Madness, I was which is absolute say. madness. Because let me ask you, Dan, can you even picture the overall like experience of a sporting event, especially March Madness, without the fans? That makes seventy five percent of the whole overall exciting experience to the whole thing. Well, you know, I've always wondered because you know there was that there was that crazy thing a couple of years ago where the riots were happening in Baltimore, and so the Orioles played a home game without fans that weekend because they just couldn't. You know, they were just like, "Look, it's too much of a security risk to get people into the stadium," so they literally played a game in front of like their teammates and media, and that's it. But that's and, one. That's one game, man. Well, so my my point is that like. Yeah, everyone that was there said it was, like, surreal and weird. I've always wondered, like, how much do athletes really, like, feed off the crowd a in lot. those situations? Because, like, you know, I'm a musician, and I, I frequently play to crowds of, like, you know, sweaty young adults who like to punch and kick the air. And that's honestly <laughs> a huge part of the thing. And I don't... Shout it's out not, to the little man. <laughs> it's inside joke. Uh, but it's it's not the same. It's honestly, not. Yeah, I, I picked up a guitar and played in my bedroom too, and it, it is not the same thing. You know what they call? Um, you know what they call a performance without fans? Practice. And I mean, I know that, like you know, <laughs> when when they asked LeBron about it, that he said, "I'm not doing that." Basically, he was like, "I don't I don't want to play not in front of fans." That seems silly. I used to think he was um, it was crazy. I thought he was like, "Oh, he's kind of stuck up." But I think about it as I was thinking about it more. I'm like. You know, he's right. Why would you want to do that? But, so, I will disagree slightly, simply, Hold well... On. I'm not, oh, like, okay, okay, I'm not done, I'm not keep, done. Keep rolling. I hate the decision because it's less about the entertainment factor, you know, I'm a big sports fan, you're, you're a big sports fan, um, I, I, I've been waiting all year, you know, for college basketball and stuff, because that's like... Outside the NFL season, that's easily like my favorite time of the year. But if, if I could care less if they canceled um, sporting events for like a full calendar year, like because we, I, because I got, I got Netflix, I got Hulu, I got YouTube, I got Twitch, I got Spotify, I got video games, I got uh, DVDs of uh, of TV shows, movies, blah blah blah, and I have friends and everything like a lot of things that can keep me busy and entertained i don't need it for the entertainment factor what i hate about the decision is for the damn seniors think of it true think of you being a freshman right and you you um you're a four-year player you grind it and grind and say your team wasn't very good but you rose up and you improved along with your team and then your senior year Y'all finally make it to the point, and say you're a mid-major team, right? And you're a player that's probably never going to make it to the end, the, the NBA, or uh, or maybe maybe even not like maybe you can make overseas and stuff. But let's for all intents and purposes say that they're just going to be a collegiate player, and that's it. Right. So doing all that grinding and stuff, all the blood, sweat, tears. Say they even had like a torn ACL and they had to grind and uh, and rehab and get back to uh, get back 
uh, on the field or get back on the court. All those trials and tribulations, and then y'all finally make it and say your team wins the conference championship, which is your only way of making it to the big dance. And y'all celebrating, y'all happy and stuff, and then all of a sudden, NCAA says, nope, no tournament for you. No, no, for no tournament for anybody. That means all your hard work. That is like this may be an event like March Madness is a three three week event. But for someone who's been playing sports for, since you was like um, a little tot and you and it's been a way of life for you. Everything you worked for from when you was a kid to up to this point up to, like you work to this moment of trying to get to the tournament all of that and it's and it's fucked up because of of fear and all that stuff i think if it was made if the if it if the decision was waited on and say like by like late april or or may if they just if they would have postponed it first for like a month or so and then they eventually said okay it's still bad cancel that would have been cool i would have i would have stood for that but i hate it for all the seniors who this is their last year of eligibility then uh, this is you're taking away their memories here. This is their like that like that cheesy song at the end of the uh, the March Madness one shining moment. This was their one shining moment. This was their chance of you know playing in a tournament, having uh, uh, forming memories that they could tell their kids, their grandkids, and maybe even their great grandkids. And it's all been taken away because of you know I in my opinion a uh, a premature cancellation of of the whole tournament. And that and that's why I'm upset about. It. I mean, it's less about the entertainment factor. It's more of those those people who who may not get another chance of playing uh, uh, playing like uh, this type of ball. And and I hate it for those kids because they deserve better than that. I don't know if they're gonna give them more eligibility, but even then, like think of the teams that grinded and won all those games and stuff and put their team up to like you know uh up to that level of hey we could get a number one seed and now like imagine like even if they did hit the reset button for extra eligibility i'd be like dude we don't spent this whole year of like training and this and in the and maybe even years before that all those years training and stuff getting up to this point where our team is actually very good and you're telling me there's not going to be a winner like there's not even gonna be people even playing the tournaments, so it's so it's less of the entertainment, it's more of you don't all all this all those moments that led up to this point. It's gone. It's like Thanos snapped, and their and their season is over, and then and their and a lot of their collegiate uh, careers are done with without on a whimper. So, okay, so. I hate it, man. I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to poke and prod a little bit here because that's what I do. Please do. Um, <laughs> I knew it was going to have a little bit of controversy, but that's that's how I feel. Well, so, so, I wonder too why why cancel the whole thing instead of just saying hey it's suspended because everybody my, else suspended things. My best guess is it has to do with the fact that like a lot of these kids are like either to your point graduating going home or even if they're not graduating they're they're going home they're you know probably going to go be with their families or whatever uh you know because i mean at this point a lot of like 
many, many schools are canceling classes at this point, like not finishing the semester or whatever, uh, because it just is not safe to have a lot of people in a confined area. Mm -hmm. And you and I know dorms are Petri dishes. So, you know, uh, from personal experience, um, seriously, I've never gotten sick more often than I did in those four years. Uh, (laughs) But... I, I suspect that's the reason because it's not like you can ramp up to something like this mm-hmm. and then because I think you agree right that playing games without fans is stupid. It's dumb. It's, um, it's, what's it's what's the point? Because well, the other thing is what's the point? There's still some risk because you're bringing players and their families together. You're mm-hmm. still going to have a group of probably a few hundred people there. It's probably going to be media there, the support staff, all this stuff. And honestly, in the midst of this sort of crisis, it looks like an organization that already has image problems like the NCAA going, f*** you, we still want our money, right? Because they're still going to want to rake in from the TV ads and stuff. And so I agree that you can't, your choices are either play without fans or don't play. Uh, But... I'm going to make a slightly different point. Go for it. Uh, if that's what you want, if you want them to still have a chance, then you know what they need to fucking do? They need to pay them. They need to say, these kids are, this is their job. They're employees of the school. Uh, they're being compensated in money. So we can ask them because they are employees and not students. Mm. We can ask them to wait a couple months until this is under control and we can have sporting events again, Mm. you know? And I mean, a couple months might even be an optimistic estimate at this point, but you know what I mean? Like there's, but they can't do that because these kids are all volunteers who are doing this for no money. And yeah, Mm. a lot of them need to go home probably. Yeah. And maybe should. So like, Like, I'm not, Disagree. I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying like I don't uh, agree with the decision. I just don't agree with like the swiftness of the decision. Yeah, I, I just. <laughs> I just think. I mean, it seems fear driven. Yeah. Well, re- realistically, based on what we know about like how fast it's spreading and the fact that like the U.S. just isn't testing basically at all. So like that's fair it's spreading in ways that we can't detect right now. Right. So like, we're not going to have sporting events for a while. Just like period. Is it going to be like a year? (laughs) No, I don't think it's going to be a year. I mean, again, if you use China as a model, they just called back players in the, in the Chinese basketball association, um, to report back to their teams. So like probably you're looking at if we're, I mean, if we're not complete, ups about this like we've been so far uh (laughs) then you're looking at like three four months probably Hmm. which you know that's That's, not the end of the world that's half the mlb season i mean yeah it is (laughs) literally everyone's gonna have to come up with contingency plans for this but i mean whatever man in the case of a crisis that i mean could see like god forbid but like could see like several million people die. Like, you know, it's, (laughs) this is not, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure they'll figure something out. Um, Mm. but it's, yeah, it's, 
I, we can agree though that like it sucks. It really freaking sucks. It really and there's sucks. no there's no way to there's no there's no way around it. You and, know and. And I want to mention too, like we'll get caught up with the March Madness stuff. But what about the uh, March Madness and like basketball? They get such a uh, great exposure, like in the public eye. But what if, like I saw, like you know, you see like the footnote on the bottom line. They also are canceling. The, yeah, they canceled their, literally all like the, everything all else. The, the, the remaining fall and uh, the, the remaining winter uh, championships and spring sports. That means. That means it's affecting those seniors too. Yeah, and that and I just find that really sad for them for for their hard work just to amount to just being nullified. Be like it's just like it's it's like your your college career. I mean, it, it existed, but it's just like there's what's the payoff? There's yeah. no there, there's no closure. And then that, if, and if there's no, nothing done about the eligibility, like uh, granting eligibility for these seniors, then that is gonna be, that's gonna stick with with those uh, with those people for the rest of their lives. They're gonna be wondering what could have been. Yes, they're gonna be like, yeah, it was for the greater good and stuff. But there's gonna be a lot of people thinking like, man, I wish I could have had I could have had like a proper ending uh, to the, to that chapter in my life. And that's what I worry the most about for those kids, like yeah. this being this being the last page of that book, of of that chapter in their lives. That really fucking sucks, don't it? Yeah. For that to end that way, that's what I'm more upset about. Yeah, it's because the kids deserve better than that, and you couldn't really predict this, and like it's just you know natural like. You know, natural disasters, natural uh, uh, just these natural causes and stuff, but well, these natural disasters and stuff, but it just sucks. But man. you know, honestly, man, I hate to bang the drum on this because I almost feel like I'm changing the subject. But like, that's why you should fucking pay them because at the end, you can say, okay, well, I at least I have something from it. You know, maybe uh, I don't, maybe I don't have the trophy. Maybe I don't have bragging rights or whatever, but I have money that I invested. It's going to be hilarious. That I'm going to retire on someday. It's you know, a, it's hilarious. You got the Kansases, the Gonzagas, uh, God, dare I say the Dukes, like you gotta have those number one to number two seeds and stuff. And you have all these top teams and we'll never know who was the truly the best of the best. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's a lot for a lot of people to handle. Be like, that was supposed to be our year, and that's gonna be the narrative for years to come. That was that was supposed to be our year, but it didn't happen that way because yeah. of stuff out of our control. People would di- people would deal with like losses, like okay, we lost the game, and that's why we didn't win the championship. But no, we were stripped of this. We were stripped of a chance to play for the championship. <laughs> but I think it's worth. I think it's worth. And I think your point about the you know the, the natural disaster thing is more apt. It really you know the NCAA is in a no win here, right? Like you know I'm, they don't want to <laughs> cancel the tournament; they want their money, like you know, and as is their right. But you know it's it's just crappy for everybody. And but and I guess the thing is the flip side is what you don't. 
I don't think any of us would feel any better about it if we watched this sort of weird, bizarre, silent tournament on TV, and then we still find out a week after it ends that, like, the best player on Duke has the virus and transmitted it to, like, half the players in the tournament. You know what I mean? Like, that's the flip side, right, is if they go ahead with it. The, the fear and the just bizarre surreality of last night where you like see a picture of Rudy Gobert pop up and it's like, he has the virus. It's like a, you know, fucking like Agent bad. Zero? Well, it's like a bad, like <laughs> shitty, like feels like Michael Bay directed 2020 so far, you know, like, well, <laughs> there haven't been any explosions yet, but um, yeah. It's like they would present his picture as like the eight, uh, the it's like uh, Steven patient Soder- zero. <laughs> it's, it's like Steven Soderbergh directed 2020 so far. <laughs> It's like, um, this is the patient zero of the NBA. But, you know, like, I, I'd i be cool to not, not go through that again because that was not fun. And it, honestly, and I know it's stupid, man. I know. I, I know people are going to listen to this and be like, man, you guys are, are myopic and selfish about this. But, like, honestly, that was the point that I started to genuinely feel some fear was, like, the re- – the, sheer rapidness from which it escalated to a game was canceled or from what escalated to like games without fans game canceled guy diagnosed league shut down like that is it's insane and i'm cool with not having that again and even if we're canceling stuff preemptively to prevent that situation Mm -hmm. then it sucks. It really sucks for for the kids and for everybody involved. But honestly, man, you know, I'd rather have everybody healthy in the end. And, you know, That's true. healthy and able to, like, live long, productive lives with the degrees that they got. And that's the other thing that they're mm-hmm. they're taking away at the very least. Um, I just worry about, like, the, um, the aftermath, like how much regret like would, would there be any regret and stuff and plus for the student athletes so i mean you know there probably will but i don't know i mean that's life sometimes you know yeah sometimes shit happens and you don't get closure you don't get to feel like you had a story begin and end sometimes a story begins and it goes for a while and then it just gets taken from you, and you don't get to finish the story. Yeah, um, and that's it, it that's that's the reason why why when we write novels or make movies, they have a beginning, middle, and end because that doesn't always happen in real life. And so that's why we enjoy and flock to stories that feel like they give us closure. Oh God. Wow, that was that was pretty deep. But it doesn't mean I like yeah, it's necessary, but it doesn't mean that like I have to like it. No, 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 so, no, no, no. I just want to say definitely uh, not. I'm definitely not saying don't be upset. Yeah. I'm like I just want to say like fuck the coronavirus and and fuck the effects that it has left on the whole sporting world and just turning everybody's lives upside down. So so fuck this shit. This sucks. Yes. Damn. I agree. So that leaves us with, well, us. And it depresses me how often I feel like I have to give this speech. But so we were just like two guys who like are friends and started doing a podcast because we're friends. 
and we basically podcast for our friends and family at this point, and that's fine. Yeah, uh, dude. Because this is a passion project. But so yet again, we're in the situation where there's some incredibly serious things that are going on, and we typically come together to do this and laugh and yuck it up and talk about dumb shit like the Rocket Small Ball lineup <laughs> and we, things. Do we like and, gather around and sing, We are the world, we are the children? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like, is this one of those moments? <laughs> clearly, yes. <laughs> we are <But> the world. <laughs> I, and I would say, trying to keep us on the rails here. I would say that I believe our role is to do that, is to continue doing that, is to be silly and, you know, make jokes and hopefully make people laugh and keep spirits up. Because honestly, in this sort of situation, particularly honestly for a generation of Americans that really aren't used to dealing with crises, you know, there we forget sometimes that there is a whole generation of kids now that grew up after 9-11 and do not remember what that was like. And oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's vitally important in difficult times to to remember to smile and laugh and like still take some pleasure in life because it's not like a bad thing happening takes everything away from life. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's still a world out there. And uh, so I would like us as our podcast to sort of continue to we're going to continue covering sports there really aren't any sports to cover right now but we have a lot to catch up on oh yeah so we're going to kind of rapid fire this will still be this will still end up being kind of a depressing episode because we have another very sad thing to cover Um, oh yeah but we're gonna we're gonna just kind of keep rolling here Um, like limp biscuit rolling 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 and see that, yes. Yeah, the Undertaker all, used that as his theme song at one point. <laughs> we're all humorous. But I think it goes without saying that we, we genuinely hope that everyone is staying safe out there for Please the love of safe. God. Yeah. Wash your goddamn hands. Stay home if you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just be safe. You know, know where to find good information and don't listen to people who are saying it's a hoax because they're probably Russian trolls. Um, mm-hmm. Netflix and, and chill, honestly, don't f- don't. honestly don't f- listen to the president because he's a f- moron and doesn't know what he's talking about. Dang. Netflix and chill or like Hulu or whatever, like because uh, you know that'll be like you know the other. There's plenty of source of entertainment out there other than yeah. sports, even though it's gonna feel very surreal without <laughs> you know a group of guys, uh, ma- uh, men and women, like you know doing stuff that involves like an, an inflatable or a solid ball. I mean. I mean, it's just... And sometimes a deflated one. <laughs> the deflatriates. You know, honestly, I was thinking about... Balgazi. <laughs> I was thinking about, like, yeah, God, no sports for a while. What the hell are we going to do? And I was thinking, you know, there's all those classic, like, NFL games that are on YouTube that are on the NFL account. Like, you can watch the tuck rule game and stuff. So, like... It's the hand with fort. And there's... Uh, and all those... Remember a couple of years ago, we found all those old segments of NFL primetime, like... With Robin you know, Roberts. What we should do is, like, get, you know... Again, provided we're not, like, literally housebound, we Yo. should get together and, like, make our own NFL Sunday where we, like, pick some games, watch them, and then watch segments of old NFL primetimes in between. Dude, I like that. Literally, what? like, program our own football I'm just saying, man, you can get creative with this shit.
Yes. Let's pivot to something else really depressing. Um, um, so I was in such shock. I began the last episode without a theme song and, uh, another, like, this is what I mean when I'm like, it feels like 2020 has been directed by like a suspense thriller director person because we've already had two different days of just like spending an entire afternoon in just complete shock. And I am a hundred percent cool with like not experiencing that again this decade. I know that's way too much to ask for, but (laughs) frankly, another week is probably too much to ask for. But uh, obviously, you know, by now uh, the just, tragic and sudden death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and yeah what was it nine other people that were I guess nine people total that were on the yeah. that were on the helicopter and mm-hmm. it's just I we're probably gonna have to do a whole episode about that at oh, some yeah, point oh yeah we're going and, to for real you know pay because, our respects you know as as I think has been said very eloquently by some very good writers if you're going to if you're going to cover Kobe, you need to cover all of Kobe, and that means the like the less, difficult part, the less good things that that he did as well. But yeah, I, you know, it's it's a horrible, horrible thing, and I, I don't know, man, it hit me, it hit me really hard, and I, I don't entirely know why yet. I guess maybe just because it's such a just terif- terrible tragedy. Uh, so so, how did you feel about about that? Where where were you when you when you found out? I, I was at the uh, at the apartment uh, with uh, with Casey, and uh, Casey said she had seen it on the web on a website, and I was just like, "Nah, there's no way." Um, I think one one of the first sites was like um, it was this one sports site, and then I think eventually TMZ was saying something. I was just like. There's no way. Like, I don't see anything on ESPN. Um, maybe maybe it's just a hoax. Maybe it's not true because ESPN, it, ESPN is not doing breaking news or anything like that. And I was hoping that it would never come about. And then, you know, they cut they cut away from the um, the uh, the the Pro Bowl, and I'm just and it's like, oh right, yeah, you were watching you were watching live television. I was just I was just like. Yep. That's when the reality hit. I was just like this did this just really happen? Like I'm just like what? It still what doesn't the, feel like it happened. I'm just like what the hell? You like you can't mean like, you know, our Kobe Bryant. Like the guy, you know, like Lakers, uh the one of the best Lakers ever and stuff and you know um as uh the guy who's face we literally watched on television for like 20 years just about you know like mm-hmm. i mean and then like kobe like the kobe from all from all those sprite commercials and stuff you can't mean that kobe kobe one of those mvps kobe uh uh partnering with Shaq and all like the great debate Remember that, or was the great debate Kobe versus LeBron? Oh man, where they like each had their rival commercial. I mean, it is just it hits you hard because of the magnitude and the greatness of the of this overall person and and the player. Um, as Brad Stevens uh, said it like better than anybody. Like he's like 
um, I'm I'm talking to like my uh, 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 to my players and to uh, like the a lot of young guys um, for, for my team. That was like their Jordan. So that was yeah. like in a way losing a Michael Jordan. I mean, like <laughs> that's that's us too. Like I mean, I, you know, I'm a Celtics fan, so I you know, and for you know because of the rape trial too, I felt kind of squeamish about him for years. But you know. I grew up more with him than Jordan. But yeah, I mean I was like I was like 14 or 15 when the when the 81 point game happened, you know, I was literally like a teenager during the prime of his career, you know, and it's, Gosh, that's back in high school. It, yeah, it, it's for the or at least I would say for similar reasons why uh the loss of Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park hit me so so hard because it was that was part of your life man someone that was like you know one of my like musical idols when i was like 13 you know and that some part of you always feels like those people are like superhuman or feel like they're invincible or do you feel like you're gonna have them for a long long time yeah and then reality hits and says well we got other plans and you know i mean and in his case, where he just, like, really seemed to be becoming, like, a tireless advocate for women's sports. And, you know, because he, he didn't have a son. He had, he had all daughters. And, you know, his, his oldest wanted to, wanted to be a basketball player in the WNBA. And, R.P. You know, there's, uh, Gigi. There's a Dang. part of me that, you know, feels like there's an alternate universe where she gets there and you know and maybe maybe that you know helps that sport reach a bigger segment of the population you know and it's uh i still remember that story of uh uh it's like hey you don't uh wait you don't have a son to carry your your legacy and then she like uh taps that person uh i think on the shoulder or something she's like "Uh uh-uh i got this she's like i got this yeah and he's like coach like yeah, she got this. Like she got this. <laughs> like, oh man, like and, but as Casey had mentioned too, like what we don't see is um the the other the, the other families affected by uh their loved ones not coming home. Yeah. And Vanessa Bryant, she has to endure not having her husband be home anymore. Or her oldest daughter while having a newborn. And yeah, I mean, while being like, while like comforting all of the other kids. And I can't, there is That's the nothing, stuff people don't talk about. There is nothing in the world that can possibly prepare you for that. And I know for a fact I couldn't do it. See, that's the dirty work that people, that the media doesn't talk about. Yeah. Like, it's all about, like, I, I understand what the celebration of life of uh, of Kobe Bryant because that's that's uh, like how do you not celebrate uh, a guy of that magnitude? But it seemed like too like it was over like it was overdone or something or like overplayed or something of like you know because like they had the news going over and over and over and then like they made it a spectacle. I mean, of course it's L.A. They'll make it a spectacle, but like. It was it was all that glitz and glamour, but it's at the end of the day though. After all that, after that dust clears and stuff, that that uh, 
<clears throat> that dirty uh, grittiness of life, you know, of all those families have to go through now. Yeah. In that aftermath. So. And, you know, it kind of, uh, the thing that, that sprung to my mind immediately, and I was not the only person that made this connection, was the the very sudden death of the Yankees catcher Thurman, Thurman Munson in mm. the uh, late, late 70s. And because uh, when they went on the broadcast and Mike Breen is literally in tears and he's talking about that comic where the two characters and the the characters like, I just don't feel like playing ball today. Uh, that's that was that was, comic was about Thurman Munson. And uh, same thing. He died very suddenly in a plane crash. His wife actually, who you know, still alive after all these years, uh, she uh, she they asked her about it and she. Uh, basically said, yeah, you, you just need support through a time like this. You know, you need friends and family and a community to come together around you. And I mean, there's no easy way through it. There just isn't, you just need, right. need to be loved. <laughs> like I would say, um, um, for someone that lost someone really important to me, like, uh, it'll, let's see, it'll be going on, um, this July will be what, nine years. Um, all I needed was support, and uh, without it, I don't know if I would have came out um, uh, stronger at the other end. Because w- when it comes to um, uh, tragic moments like that, you, uh, you you have to lean on your loved ones or to, or your friends that that really um, that can really like you know. Uh, give you a shoulder to cry on, or give you, uh, or, or uh, support, uh, give you like a support when you feel like you can't go. I mean, that's. I mean, it's it's just it's still hard to believe with. Probably like he's one of the greatest basketball players gone, and when I hear stuff about him being a mentor and stuff, it seemed like in some cases he probably like was was like outside of the basketball court better than Jordan because he was like nurturing and mentoring and the, the young guys and uh, young guys, young women and all that. And it's just like, man, like you really were, you know, planting your seeds of um, helping people grow. Like, wow. It seems like particularly viciously cruel that we were robbed of this part of his life. And it seemed like his you life know. was just beginning. Yeah, in a lot of ways. He, he seemed like he was really enjoying life. Like, you know how when you feel like you don't have to worry about going to a job anymore, like you don't retire like, and stuff. It's like it's like one weight was off his shoulder, like a big weight was off his shoulders, and then he didn't have anything else to prove. And then he was able to, you know, he's at a comfortable position in his life. Because, uh, you know, he ain't got to worry about money or anything. And, uh, I mean, shoot, even just making an appearance, you know, he, you know, he'd get paid by that. Um, but he seemed like a guy who was ready to, and he, who, who was ready to do the things that he wanted to do. And he was doing those things. And we were, ro- like, we're robbed of, you know, being able to see what he could have became. I mean, he yes, he was this basketball player, but at the end of the day, he was also like this human being. Yes, he made his mistakes, um, small, big ones, 
But at the end of the day, he was, you know, I didn't hear a whole lot of negativity coming from, you know, like from the media. I mean, I guess to me it can be biased, but. Put it this way, the rape trial would have gone very, very differently for his reputation had it happened in the Me Too era. Um, yeah. And it needs to be acknowledged. It needs to hang there in in the air for a minute. I guess it's like, it's. It's difficult to like just see like the whole glitz and glamour without looking at the whole body of work, right? And it seemed Life, like people really gloss over that. And like, and there's why a, would you talk about that? Like, I guess when he first when he all died, you know, when he died like immediately, you know, like that. So there's a there's a a reason that our natural tendency is to group people into these very generalized groups of good and bad because it's much more difficult to confront the reality that like a person can do a really awful, terrible thing and then do good things later in their life and vice versa. And, you know, it's really up to the rest of us to try to square all of those things. And, you know, they can all be true. You can say, yeah, the guy did a lot of, a lot of good things in his life, but he did a bad thing also and I mean, that's we're 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 all human and we're not 100% pure right. like the good and, and the bad the yin <laughs> and the yang and so. you know in a, in a in a way and i hate the fact that this is so that this is now a thing i'm referencing in regards to a real person but i remember in a recent episode i was talking about like what you would consider a first paragraph of the obituary thing mm-hmm. Damn right. It's 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 amazing because my brother, my older brother, like when we were younger, um, used to have like this like this old like you know uh, basketball goal. I remember this fond memory of my brother just like he would shoot he would shoot the basketball really really good shooter too. Every time he would shoot the ball, he would say Kobe, Kobe. A whole Kobe. generation of kids did that. Like, and it's amazing because he didn't say Jordan. He said Kobe. And he was like, yeah, uh, I think I, was, I, I mentioned that memory. I memory, mentioned that memory to him. And he was saying a lot of people were all on Jordan because, you know, he was the hottest thing. And, you know, hey, he was the, the greatest basketball player on the planet. Honestly, he uh, was a little bit biased. He couldn't really stand Michael Jordan anyway because he was like the big rival to his bad boy Pistons. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but Kobe was like that brand. Like outside of Jordan, like he he was like the uh, he was the next brand in uh, you thought of in basketball. Yeah, and, and it's just like, and I mean, you he, know, he was awesome both during and after his career. Like was one of the most famous people in the world like you know you know was a much like jordan and lebron is like an outsized celebrity like beyond the world of sports yeah like i I just like how i was just like you hated him because he was that good especially when he uh i didn't like him uh, when he like when he ruined the back-to-back for the uh for the um the celtics yep because nope, that, that was, was that, y'all was supposed to repeat, but he willed them right, and yep. and they 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 took the chip. I mean, 
Kendrick Perkins missing yeah, missing game six of that series or that whatever hurt. really really swung things. But yeah, that hurt. But yeah, um, rest in peace, um, Kobe, um, uh, Gianna, and uh, everybody else that was on the plane, um, and and many prayers and blessings uh, to to the fam to their. Um, to their direct families and uh, and their friends who are who are affected by uh, lose, losing losing uh, their loved ones uh, from that plane that day. Yes, and and I said this in the intro to the last one, but I am gonna say it again because I just think it's a good thing to make a habit of doing. Just tell the people you love you love them, because the world is really cruel sometimes and you may not always get another chance jay williams mentioned something uh when 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 it had first happened uh and i liked it because it was live because there's no bleeps and he said like for if you got like uh uh people you dislike or um uh you have beef with people he said just just let that shit go yeah, it's not worth it. He's like, he's like, excuse me for custody. They're like, that's okay, it's okay, and it's like, it's it's true, because yep. you might not be, uh, you might be really angry at somebody, and then you might wait. Okay, I'll eventually will bury the hatchet, and then next you know it, that person's gone. Yeah. Then living like every day like it's your last, and um, not taking life for granted. Uh, because, um, as I mentioned before, like honestly, like I mean, I I'm not naive. Like uh, I'm, I'm I am naive, but I'm not too naive of think of to think that you know my dad was gonna live, you know, live forever. But I thought he would live to his nineties. But not even that happened. And then it, it just when when he passed away, it was like. Um, it seemed like a long, like I had a long time with him, but it was just like twenty-two years. That's, oh, that's still not a lot of time. So, don't take life for granted, and you know, um, and just live live life to the fullest. And as Dan said, just you know, tell the people you love them, and um, and just work on being better, uh, being a better person. Maybe wait a little while to hug them. Uh, because you know we have to practice social distancing, but mm. but tell them you love them. Yeah, because we all, most of us, got smartphones. You can you can tap or slide that talk button and say, "Hey, I love you" for like for like a minute. Yep, it's not that hard. It ain't that hard. So, uh, yeah. all right, R.I.P. Kobe. R.I.P. Kobe. It won't be the same without you. Seeing Deadspin here, and like, was, was that old? Or is it? Or, what is going on now? Have they have they resurrected or something? So let's start there. Like, Segment. like, what is going on here? This will be this will be quick. Like, because I remember last time Casey checked the site and it had not changed, like, but that was a couple months ago. So um, what's going on? So as you know, we covered this in the show back around when it happened, but yeah, Deadspin is no more. Uh, the entire staff quit en masse in like November um, <laughs> or October, whatever that was. Um, the site's dead. It uh, because it was bought by a rich, I think, ex Forbes dickhead named Jim Spanfeller, who was a piece of shit. 
And uh, here's what I don't get about it. It's one thing for someone to have a certain vision for something, but I feel like a guy who is very savvy on finance would look and see that, like, essentially what made the site its money was all of the writing they did that was about politics and about things outside of just, like, game recaps. Mm -hmm. Honestly, their, their pure sports takes weren't that great. What made them great was their reporting on things like Larry Nasser and... Joe Paterno when that was going on oh. and the Manti Teo thing in you know a more lighter sense but like their coverage of things like that that were not you know oh LeBron's shooting fewer threes this year you know you know what I mean like they were analytical like they, there's <laughs> other there's other people and sites that did that Joe that's Burl, not Deadspin Joe Burrow's butt when he avoided his <laughs> avoided his moon in the moon yes. in the crowd he just kept uh, it up and took the sack <laughs> but this guy was like. No, let's take away all of that, all of the things that make the site money, and let's only have, like, shitty game recaps. And that's why the whole staff quit, because they were like, F*** this, if we can't do what the literal point of the site is, then we're not doing this anymore. And, uh, and so, I guess the site still exists, and the guy owns it, and he has now hired... A new editor-in-chief, some guy named Jim Rich, who insists that he's not crossing a picket line, which, I mean, in a sort of literal sense, he isn't. But I think in a spiritual sense, he definitely is, because nothing about this, like, in, in essence, this is supposed to be a revival of Deadspin, and he's now gone and hired some writers, too. And it's like... Like interns? No, like real writers, okay. people who are going to be full time employees of the site. But like, Spanfiller still owns the site. I like nothing about what caused the staff to quit has changed. I mean, I do understand the point of this because if you've ever loved a thing that has a brand, that brand's corpse will be flogged to death before your eyes until the day you die to wring every last nickel out of it, because that's how capitalism works. What? What? The, uh, what the Zune? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, okay. That was bad. The zoo was bad. It's why Disney will make <laughs> Star Wars movies long after we're both dead. Uh, because if someone, if someone loves a thing, they will be asked to pay for it over and over and over and over again until they won't pay for it anymore. Like the um, like the Powerpuff Girls 2016? Yes. Hey, remember this thing you like? We're going to make sure you wish you didn't. The short summary of our bizarre tangent is that, like, reboots of things almost never work. Go figure. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I am, I couldn't be more like anti Deadspin revival if it's not rehiring the original staff and like that freaking moron not owning the site anymore. A vessel without um, a soul is not living. Hey, that's some deep ass shit. There's just there's just no reason to do it, and it's literally like we can wring a little more cash out of this thing before all of its brand equity is gone. And I just, you know, it's everything I hate about the way our society does business. Hey, speaking of everything I hate about the way certain things do business... 
Um, are you, you, are you, are you about to do what I think you're going to do? I'm going to stay, I'm going to just sit here and listen because this is going to be Dan's show. This, this is going to be, right, this, right now, this is Dan's show and I am just going to let him roll with it because I'm ready to hear him just spit these bars. So, Dan, the floor is absolutely motherfucking yours. I do feel like there really ought to be an ice cube backing track behind me as I'm doing this. Just play no Vaseline. Uh, so when Ice Cube's solo album came out, he the one of the last tracks on the album is the now legendary No Vaseline, in which he didn't diss NWA so much as he just ended them. <laughs> and that's a that's what I'm about to do to Major League Baseball. Um, let's let's go back a little while. Let's rewind. When I was a little kid. When I was like eight, nine years old, we had a Nintendo 64. And uh, one of the, I think the third or fourth game we got for a Nintendo 64 was a game called, uh, it was a game called uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s Slugfest. Uh, and it was a, a game that had sponsorship from the Players Union. Uh, so in addition to Ken Griffey Jr., it had a whole bunch of real MLB players from the 1998 season. And, uh, Nixon. Sorry. and <laughs> I, I can, because of how much time I spent playing that game, I can name almost every player on the 1998 Red Sox, because <laughs> as you may know, uh, my, my family is from New England and from very close outside Boston. And so I was raised a Red Sox fan and, you know, I've had many wonderful, happy memories of watching Red Sox games with my dad and going to Red Sox games and, you know, watching many championships happen and all that stuff. Um, you know, and so, like, I I formed over the years a very deep bond with the franchise. Deeper than New England? Uh, I'd say it's pretty, it was pretty much a dead heat because I, I spent about as much time following the Patriots, too, during that era. Okay. You know, I followed the team religiously and I watched the playoffs every year and I would freaking go through the schedule and find when games were on ESPN because we didn't get Red Sox games locally. Um, mm -hmm. And when I learned what it was, one of the first like mildly expensive things I bought for myself when I graduated college had a job and like had disposable income of my own was a freaking MLB.TV subscription because I wanted to watch Red Sox games. Good man. Uh, so... I've not only that, but I've like given the franchise and the league hundreds of dollars of my money over the years. So I feel like that entitles me to have a say in things and also to complain when things I don't like happen. Mm. So we arrive at today. So some things have happened to the franchise over the last few years. Generally speaking, I think most people would describe John Henry's ownership of the franchise as successful. He, I want to say, bought the team in either the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. Mm -hmm. Over that time, the team has won like four championships and has been, made the playoffs numerous times. And, you know, under the really under the original leadership of Theo Epstein, became one of the smartest front offices in baseball and mm -hmm. hired a lot of, you know, sort of you know, analytics, forward-thinking people, and really the machine, the, like, player development and scouting machine that Theo Epstein built mm -hmm. sustained the franchise, like, long after he left. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and Ben Charrington 
basically was axed because he made like two bad contracts, the Hanley Ramirez and the Pablo Sandoval deals. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it's instructive to remember that because that's basically what set in motion kind of a domino line of effects. Ben Sherrington had those awful contracts and the team missed the playoffs. I think three out of the four years he was GM. So he was canned. Same sort of, it was like a hanky situation where he resigned because they brought in someone over him. Your obligatory uh, mention of Sam Hinkie yes, for the win. Yes, I got it in. There you go. I, and it was topical. They bring in Dave Dombrowski, who, you know, his MO is trade prospects, bring in big league talent, win championship, which he did accomplish. They won the championship in 2018. Yes, it did. With a roster full of talented young players uh, developed from within the farm system, including one Mookie Betts. Mookie! Who, by the way, was my favorite player because, you know, it's really cool. It's it's sort of a, you know, less extreme version of, all, also of Jose Altuve. You know, it's this, like, little dude who really doesn't look much like an athlete who can, like, hit home runs and runs fast and plays great defense and is, like, a charming dude with a great smile and, like... The kind of guy you're just like, dude, and someone who is like an eight, nine win player, who is a a generational talent, a once every 30, 40 years type player. Mm-hmm. If he played in an era other than the Mike Trout era, would be the best player in baseball. The kind of guy you go, we need to do whatever it takes to make sure this guy plays his whole career for our team. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen because... The team uh, and ownership made it a mandate that the team must get under the luxury tax going into the 2020 season. Obviously, Betts is in his last year. He's entering his last year before free agency, so he had a pretty high salary arbitration number. I think he's making like $29 million this year or something, or $30 million. Ooh. Um, which, I mean, honestly, once he signs a new contract, that's about what he's getting. He's getting 30 to $35 million annually even if he doesn't sign a super long contract. Mm-hmm. That's just what he's going to get. That's honestly, and you can see studies of this where people have determined the true value of what a win above replacement is worth in terms of millions of dollars. And that metric says that even Mike Trout is like super underpaid. That's just what it is. That's just the economics of the sport. And since they instituted the luxury tax, every franchise has basically used the luxury tax as an excuse to cut costs. They've treated it like a hard cap and they've treated it. They've used it as a reason to not spend money on free agents and they've, you know, and to sort of just continue churning through because, you know, why be a hundred win team when you can be a 92 win team and have basically the same odds of winning the world series as long as you make the playoffs, you know? Mm. And so that incentivizes teams to really not try their best at the very, very top. And, Teams are so value-focused and sort of min-maxi about, about this sort of thing where they're willing to literally, literally make their major league team worse today to, you know, save a buck tomorrow. You know, the Red Sox were hamstrung because of the Chris Sale contract, which oh. was a large extension because of the David Price contract, which was a very large free agency signing that... I mean, whatever. The guy pitched them to a championship, so can you really complain? <laughs> uh, and then J.D. Martinez obviously opting in to his contract, which was another big chunk of change. 
So the team basically had no way to get under the salary cap uh, for 2020 but to freaking trade the best player on the team, the best player in, you know, non-Mike Trout division <laughs> in the league to the freaking Dodgers and make the Dodgers better. And the Dodgers will still find a way to not win the World Series. And let's so. <laughs> be clear, what they got back was fucking peanuts. They got back, like, their centerpiece of this deal was Alex Verdugo, who, by the way, is not even the Dodgers' top prospect. They got the Dodgers, like, number three prospect. Oh, my gosh. I can't even put in, like, I can't, I, I, I'm saying these words, and it feels even stupider than it is to say them. And I... I'm a level of upset about like I kind like I knew this was coming. I I really hoped they wouldn't go through with it. I hoped that they would figure some other way to save that money if that really was their mandate. Um, but I kind of braced myself for it. I really didn't think they'd actually do it, and they did. And I, it is. I am a level of upset about this that I I am done with baseball. I cannot do it anymore. I think you're kidding, man. I'm not. I'm dead serious. Are you are you and you're you're about to stay on the record here. Are you are you are you certain about this? I'm because you like as long as I've known you, you've loved baseball. I don't know what it would take for me to come back to the Red Sox after what I would consider like a betrayal of the fans of this magnitude. Ouch. Because let's be clear, they didn't do this for the fans. They didn't do oh, this definitely not. to make the team better or more exciting or more fun or win more. They did this to save fucking money. I'm over it, dude. I'm fucking over it. And it's not like I'm pissed. I'm upset. It's not just Mookie Betts. Like that's that's the straw that broke the it's the anvil that broke the camel's back mm. uh, because it's a big thing on its own. Yeah, but it's I mean basically the you can talk about my Braves if you want to. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this actually isn't so much the Braves. Um, it's it's the whole sport. I'm trying not to read directly from my. I literally wrote down a like frothing rant in a note on my phone because I didn't want to forget Shoot, how, read how upset it. I was. Read it. Um read it. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it. Oh dang um, I wanna see you like read it. I wanna see your what your, your thoughts were like, man. Well <laughs> because I think this will work better if it's sort of flowing. So okay. You know I've been a member of the effectively wild Facebook group for several years and it's you know a great great community of baseball fans. It's very it's very forward-thinking, very analytically focused, lots of math nerds, you know. Uh, Moneyball. <laughs> right, yeah, it's all, it's all the Moneyball disciples. And, you know, the name of the game in that world is, like, optimizing assets, is getting absolutely as much value as you possibly can. Um, and these people are in threads, and lots of people were upset, but there were people in the threads who were going... You know, it sucks to lose an 8-9 win player, but you know, Alex Verdugo uh, really could provide, you know, four or five seasons of cost-controlled, 
two to three win play, which, you know, ultimately is way cheaper than this one season of Buki Betts. And you know what? That makes perfect sense to me. Trade a little bit today for a lot later. I just don't fucking care. I don't give a shit. I don't fucking care. I don't give a shit that the team is saving money. I don't give a shit that, like, this guy will be kind of good for four years on the league minimum. That's stupid. Mm. You know why? Because I like having fun players on my team. Yeah. I like having a guy who is amazing and pointing at him and going, that's my guy. That's our guy. And plus, you just I just love saying the name Mookie because we drafted just... We drafted that guy. We saw something in him that no one else did. We developed this guy. He became a superstar out of nowhere. He's, he's a Red Sox uh, guy. Yeah, he's our guy. I don't give a shit. I'm sure Alex Verdugo is a fine baseball player. I just don't care. I want a fun, exciting young player on my team. I want to see what happens to him as he gets older and gets better and better and better because he, he's he got the Jason Tatum thing or maybe Jason Tatum has the him thing where he's constantly, constantly just obsessively trying to improve minute details about his game. Those kind of players always age well even as they start to lose physical tools because mm-hmm. they get smarter and smarter as they get older. Yeah. It's this whole philosophy of like I've got to optimize everything down to the freaking, you know, last decimal point and it's like I don't care I just don't care that the team is saving money I don't understand why me being a fan of the team means that I have to like root for them to like keep more of my money instead of paying it to the guys I actually watch Yeah, what the fuck is that and it's like I feel like in a way and I'm trying not to be like a frothing conspiracy theorist here but like it just feels to me like the new school Moneyball crowd has to come to terms with the fact that what they are doing is making things easier for billionaires. John Henry is worth like $2 billion, and he traded Mookie Betts away like the NCAA tournament, took all of our happy memories and turned them to ash to save like $12 bucks, to save like a, a nickel in comparison to like what he's worth and what the team is worth and what the team cycles through their, their accounts every year. It's absurd. And, and I get it. Capitalist society, everything is money. Money is everything. It's a business, blah, 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 blah. But what about money? Like what's his name for, uh, for Dugo? What is his name? Alex Verdugo. Verdugo is, is it going to sell jerseys? Mookie Betts sells jerseys. That's the type of player that sells jerseys, like, during his playing days and after his playing days, man. That is the big name. Yeah. He's going to sell jerseys as as a Red Sox and after that because, you know, that name. For the reason, you know, Ted Williams jerseys, you can walk into the team pro shop and buy them or you can walk into the Celtics pro shop and buy, like, a Bill Russell jersey. Or, you know, you'll be able to buy Tom Brady jerseys forever. Uh, yeah. You know, the legend who, you know, was on was on the team for his whole career. And, you know, and this all started because the team didn't want to pay him what he was worth to begin with. They had a window of time to negotiate with him. And they just lowballed him, just like they did with Lester. I just, there are some times where I think 
like what the angels did, where they said, honestly, blank check. We have to do whatever it takes to keep this guy on our team. The angels may not even make... Things are pretty dire for that franchise in a lot of ways in terms of, like, they may not win a championship in Mike Trout's entire career. And honestly, you know what? They had Mike Trout. Which thing is more rare? A championship is handed out every year. How many fans get to say the greatest player ever played for my team? And they get to see Shohei Otani. Yeah. So, I just... It goes back to episode one. The experience or the, or a championship, what's what's more valuable right. as a fan? And remember me saying, and I've been essentially asked to put my money where my mouth is, mm. which is more important to me. I want to be entertained. I want to enjoy watching my team. And I, there is no zero happiness for, to be had for me watching a Red Sox game this year. Ouch. None. Because Damn. I'm going to be thinking about who's not there the whole time. And and the way in which the franchise just kind of thumbed its nose at all of us. And, mm. and I'll be honest, I the day it happened, I tweeted at the team. And I said, I'm canceling my MLB.TV because you know what? At Red Sox is right. Baseball is not worth spending money on. And I canceled it. Mm. And I deleted my account and I unfollowed the team and I unfollowed like every other baseball account I follow pretty much. And I stand by that. I damn for as long as John Henry owns the owns the team. I'm not a Red Sox fan. And frankly, I am so tired of like rooting for front offices instead of players that I'm honestly just done with the sport. Mm. And I. You made a good point earlier. There are many, many other things I can do to entertain myself than something that like routinely pisses me the fuck off. Yeah, I mean, so I'm done. I don't care. I'm sure. I'm sure all. Of, I'm sure like you know, if there's a Twins fan listening to this podcast who has watched like every player they've ever liked leave, is probably looking at this and being like, "Oh, what a dick." But <laughs> I don't care, man. I I'm done. I don't enjoy it anymore. Peace the fuck out. Thanks, baseball. You successfully succeeded in making yourself completely unfun. I hope you enjoy your declining revenue and declining fans and, you know, the fact that literally, like, no young people seem to be getting interested in your sport for some reason, maybe because it's so goddamn boring. It's like, uh, you have not, because Dan, you're going to make Dan uh, turn to a basketball fan because at least they got Zion Williamson catching bad passes off a backboard and still dunking it. Like, (laughs) that's exciting, man. You know what? Because honestly, a product of a system where the players have, or at least superstars have way more power, is that teams were lining up to sign KD. You know, the the Oklahoma City didn't trade KD going into his age 27 season to save money. (laughs) You know what I mean? And frankly... And the, I Pel- guess the is, Pelicans did, but their hands were was kind of forced. This is my point. This is this is my point when I always bitch about tanking is if the rules are encouraging teams to do things that are like actively hurting the product, then change the fucking rules. <laughs> like I'm not arguing that it's not smart to like maximize your assets and save money and blah blah blah. But they blah. Did like change that's the rules. That's, that's how... what that's what every smart business person does. That's not the problem. The problem is 
this is a closed system. It's not like the stock market where shit just happens sometimes. Like this is a closed system and you can affect people's behavior by incentivizing different things. Frankly, if you're going to have a lottery, I think every single team that doesn't make the playoffs gets one ping pong ball. Mm. Boom. No more tanking. Then they you either make the playoffs or you have the same shot at the number one pick as everybody else. Also, you forgot about this. Yeah, we kind of covered that on a previous one. Not, um, not lately. We'll, we'll cover uh, that in our time. Here, I can do this topic in five seconds. Uh, the Astros cheated by banging on a trash can. They called it the bang scheme. The end. <laughs> introduce a new segment Uh on this show um and it's because uh you know in the early we were early on in the history of this show we did a lot of just weird stuff in those first few episodes and like some of it didn't work at all like we in our first cookies no football cookies was amazing (laughs) but like we we did a lot of just weird stuff like that you know and more recently i think we've kind of gone into a pattern especially because we record so infrequently that we tend to just want to like rush through and cover as much news as we can uh-huh. i would like to bring a little silliness back in Mm-mm. um just because we haven't we haven't in a while and i love doing dramatic readings of things um you know, I'm thinking back to when we, I mean, the, the Prophet Ajaja thing, uh, and then the Prophet Sanhinky thing, which, again, like, just go back and listen to episode three. It's like three years ago now, or two years ago, but it's amazing. You kind of made that, all, all, uh, made it up off the top of your bat. Off the top of my, yeah, I guess we're retiring that segment now, too. Yeah. So, I figured we'd start here. Uh, and so, the, the this segment is, we're going to find... Uh, we're going to go to just some things on social media, maybe YouTube videos or posts. And people haven't learned that you probably just shouldn't have comment sections like anywhere ever because literally nothing good ever comes of it. I'm mostly so we're in this section where the Red Sox announced announced the trade and like oh. had a bunch of weird, bizarre, self-serving quotes. Oh, by the way, here's what we get. Here's what we got. We got outfielder Alex Verdugo. Oh, and also David Price went to the Dodgers as a salary dump. We got Alex Verdugo. Of course. Who the <laughs> knows who that is? We got infield Jeter Downs, who feel that feels very much like a creative player, like auto-generated name. <laughs> and we got uh, catcher slash infielder Connor Wong. It's really great when you have a player who doesn't know whether he's a catcher or an infielder. That that really that really sparks real optimism for someone's future in the game. Without the slash, it was like synth. It's synth. Synth. Um, <laughs> but so, let's go find some comments here. So, it's a comment from a guy named Dan uh, with an A-N. Oh, boy. And that comment reads, Cool. This was a gutless and cowardly move. I canceled my TV and I won't be supporting the team again. Oh, and right below me, is a is a guy named Mark, who uh, who edited his comment too. I wonder what he edited it to say, but uh, but he he's real dedicated to carrying owner uh, carrying water for the shitty ass ownership group. So here's a uh, here's Mark. I will support the Red Sox ownership 
as they have brought us four championships over the last 17 seasons, and with three different managers and many player changes. Let's wait and see them play this out. Why don't we dive into this thread here? Oh, here's John O'Connor, not to be confused with John Connor from uh, Terminator. Mock, when I go to a restaurant and the food starts going downhill, I stop going. If I've been watching a TV show and it goes downhill, I stop watching. When the owners raise ticket prices and trade a once-in-a-generation player, I stop watching. He gets it. John gets it. Gets I, shouldn't it. Have, I shouldn't have chosen a silly accent for him. For the first time in many years, I'm just not looking forward to the season at, to the season at all. I understand this is part of the game, but it still stinks. This one hurts. She has 42 replies, too. Dang. This team scored 905 runs last year, lol. Bets didn't score all of our runs for us. If you think they won't compete, you're forgetting they still have JD, Bogarts, Devers, Verdugo, and uh, Benintendi. We still have guys that score a ton of runs and drive in runs. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> uh, here's Bobby. Jennifer. Dot, dot. Ditto. Think about the kids. He was a great role model for Red Sox Nation. He uh, randomly capitalized socks, but nothing else. The socks, uh, man. He got emphasized the socks, dude. Dude, this one guy, Daniel, who's not me, I want to be clear, uh, is just so dedicated to like commenting on every one of these and just being like, oh, no, dude, these billionaires that did a shitty thing are awesome. I love that. I love when like people are like, oh, man, the billionaire is my friend. Best wasn't going to resign anyways. Plus, Red Sox have finally learned their lesson. Ten-year contracts are insane anyways. I could be wrong, but outside of Max on the Nationals, has there ever been a $200 million contract that has actually been played all the way through? Those contracts are albatrosses. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here's my shit. Here's, here's Jay. What a terrible Horrible, sorry group of executives that this team has. The great Boston Red Sox deserves so much more than a cheap, greedy owner who is willing to pull a tank job to save some pocket money. Absolutely shameful. So that's like, so generally speaking, people agree with you, but then there's some people who are just willing to just stay, straight up defend. Well, here's the thing. These people agree with me, and they're pissed, but they're still going to support the team anyway because fans always go back to the laundry and never support the players. And but it, it, and that's like why a, I say, you know what? There, Honestly, a, what, yeah, the a, one guy was right. When you are like, when there's a product and you are disappointed with the product, your only option is stop buying the product. Like, honestly, yeah, if you're going to complain and then just keep spending money. There's no incentive for them to change what they're doing. So you know what? Fine, but they there, don't deserve my money. But there is loyalty to the to like the brand outside of the the greedy the greedy billionaires and all that stuff. Like my my bulls absolutely suck, and the whole hashtag fire gar packs has been trending for like the last like five years and stuff. But 
I try to make an effort when I can to to watch Bulls games because, you know, hey, it's the Chicago Bulls and uh, they also have like some interesting fun players. So But I would also argue like Garpacks are like respectively bad at their jobs, but <laughs> I would still argue that the team is trying to win. Now, what I don't understand, and again, this is like a whole podcast, but like what I don't understand, we haven't even really gotten to the Knicks. Uh, I do not understand why fans of the Knicks like still support the team. Like, I, I know you love the team, but like this isn't getting better. It's never going to get better. And honestly, isn't there just better shit to do with your time than like feel like crap all the time? Let me tell you, like a like, little just. Just stop. Just stop supporting the team. Like, be happy. Like, like, this is life, dude. Like, find something else that makes you happy. Let me tell you a quick story. I was on Twitch and I was watching the two. Like, it was last year. It was the two K um, championships, and um, this is when they actually have like uh, the actual, uh, you know, teams affiliates uh, for two K. So like New York Gaming, they were like entered as an eight seed. And they won the they they won the whole ch- uh, championship, and I put on and I should I should have known better, but you know I was just I was stating the tr- like I guess I, there was like some truth to it, but also you know some you know comedic gold I guess I was saying like uh, maybe the Knicks maybe the actual uh, Knicks basketball team should ask the uh, Knicks gaming for some pointers or something like that, and then this dude just says. STFU at Morocco 1617. This was last year. Damn. I understand that you're a fan of, like, you're likely a, a fan of the Knicks. What are you really defending? You're defending a organization. Yes. Like, yes. The, the New York Gaming Affiliate. The 2K gaming team won a championship before the Knicks did. Like, the Knicks have won way back in the day. But the only good basketball team you have is the one affiliate with uh, with 2K. And they say, like, STFU to me. What about James Dolan? What about that team? Oh, yeah, uh, might I add that was before the uh, the whole uh, free agency debacle too. So, so like that person probably got even more butt hurt because of those. So, so apropos of nothing, our our next place around the internet that we're that we're headed to is the Tim Dog video, <laughs> Compton, a uh, video yeah. that is a video that is probably best known for its. Very strange directorial choice of having a really two really buff men swinging like a light bulb at the end of a power cord in the background. Uh, seriously, I'll put a link in the show notes. Look it up if you haven't seen it. It's pretty. It's just a great slice of early nineties. Um, it's also a great diss track too. Yes, but we're gonna we're gonna read some comments here. So I want to start from. Uh, I want to start from uh, from Yo Boy Abe. Um, guys, I think Tim Dog doesn't like Compton. Oh, okay. I'm look. I'm looking at Young Young C Music here. If you look in the mirror and say Tim Dog three times, the guy with the swinging light shows up in your room. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- 
told you it's gonna it's gonna get worse. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, here's a, <laughs> I love this name. Uh, here's one from Florida Corvette Owners, which I I gotta go check out that channel. Um, uh, the comment says. Heard the dude lowered his light bill by switching to an LED bulb. <laughs> oh, here it comes. The freaky robber. And they say Suge Knight started the East Coast slash West Coast beef. <laughs> like cry, uh, uh, laughing with crying, uh, laughing, crying emoji. Five of them in a row. Uh, we got to see some of the comments under here. This didn't start it for sure. <laughs> oh, and the freaky robber replies and says, since ooh. Er, such a genius. <laughs> Who started it then? Question mark. Question mark. There never oh, was. No, oh no! No! no. no. Luke nine hundred and seventy-three T comes with the freaking conspiracy theory shit and goes. There never was an East War versus West beef. Oh yeah, then why is Biggie dead? Why is why is Tupac dead? <laughs> Man, knew, get I the fuck out of here! <laughs> oh my God, OG Skywalker. Nobody died. It was industry beef. Nothing more. Man, what? Also, also hold on. Uh, let's take a brief detour and check out Florida Corvette owners. Loud Rev Breaks iPhone has 479 views, and it was three years ago. Mm. And it's just a car revving. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, the guy's... It's a video of a guy revving his car on purpose when a like dude walks by to like shock, to surprise him and make him drop his phone. Oh, so it's people being dicks with their cars. Oh, that thing that people with muscle cars never do. Still active, though. Still active though. The last last video was posted three months ago, and it has fifty six views. I will I will note that Florida Corvette owners has eighty two subscribers, which is significantly more than I do. So, uh, let's see. Does he have any public playlists? Oh, he was really into Lincoln Park. Anyways, uh, let's go back to Tim Dog. Adidas twenty zero. Oh, the twenty is numbers, and the zero is words. <laughs> <sighs> he has balls, I must say. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Most top rappers would not have gone this far. Four dots. In fact, he even said names. Something most would not do. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Legend has it. That buff guy is still swinging that light. <laughs> That's uh, that's from our our buddy. I hope that's not his real name, but. Uh oh, okay, from Sir Chuckwagon. <laughs> Sir Chuckwagon, you've got to you've got to have a good voice for Sir Chuckwagon. I'm probably gonna burp for this. I think those guys were there to begin with, and the director was like, "Quote, you know, you know where we should we should film this at." Where those motherfuckers swinging them lights around? <laughs> My poor country, like a, a poorly, a poorly done country accent. No, it's, 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 when, it's when he said motherfuckers. 
Oh you never, you never heard a country person say the MF, man? Like, it's, it's actually really hilarious. <laughs> the only thing I can think of was, shoot this mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hold on. Uh-oh. Someone responded to, to Sir Chuck Wagon. Does not exist 305. Sir Chuck Wagon. Bruh, I fucking died. Bless you, man. <laughs> Oh my Sir. God! <laughs> is this is this name just gonna live on like Gucci and the Sir Chuck Wagon? Oh my Sir Chuck Wagon! Sir Chuck Wagon! We, we're not worthy, Sir Chuck Wagon. He, he just sounds like a country guy. He my, sounds like a country guy of, of royalty. <laughs> you know, one time D and I were playing Rocket League and we got matched up, uh, and our teammate was this guy whose name was Gucci. Gucci. And to like, we still talk about Gucci like three years later. Uh, we weren't worthy, Gucci. I think this sounds like someone's real name, so we're just gonna go with Amante. Oh, here we go, old timey baseball announcer. Timmy Dog sounds like a little kid who's mad at his best friend because he got a new friend and doesn't want to play with him anymore. So now he acts like he hates everything. Oh, <laughs> come on. So now he acts like he hates everything he does when deep down inside he wants to do it. That's <laughs> pretty good, yo. <laughs> I just like lost the cadence of the sentence there. Uh, oh, oh, from Saran Wrap. The is basically what happened, haha. The friend being the major labels. And the new friend being the West Coast rappers. Oh, let's go back. Let's go back really quickly. Let's uh, let's check out Sir Chuckwagon's channel. Sir Chuckwagon. Uh, he. Oh my God, he has videos of like himself playing Hearthstone on here, uh, and then also a how-to video to publish multiple cloud business apps to the same as az- az- Azure website, Azure app, whatever. Dude, this Sir Chuckwagon might be a genius here, man. Yeah, look at this guy. Sir Chuckwagon. He has uh, he has some playlists. He, oh my god, he has rap interviews, rap documentaries, rap Chuck Wagon playing hearts, <laughs> yo, rap culture, which has two videos on it. Yo, I'm digging this dude, man. Oh, we can even see, dude. This is weird. We can even see like what he's subscribed to, and oh, people forget that like all of this stuff is public. Yeah, I mean, thank you, Google. Oh, has he discussed anything? Oh no! I can add a comment to his channel. Hey, d- hey, dude! We just uh, we just uh, featured you on a podcast. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. This is uh, this is Finn. Uh, he commented this five months ago, and it was liked seven times. And he has a like Slipknot-looking character as his picture. Legend has it that dude with the light is where the very first rave ever started. <laughs> It's just about that dude, man. It's either about the beef. It's either about the beef being a conspiracy or that dude, the buff dude. (laughs) Well, now legend has it. He's a swing that light at Kennedy Airport. (laughs) I know why electricity bills are higher. (laughs) Thanks, Uriel. That was good. From It Hurts one month ago, liked four times, and his uh, his picture is an it. Uh, I played Tim Dog in the car, in my car, and I carjacked myself. <laughs> How does that even work? Yeah, how do you carjack yourself? I mean, it has jack yourself in it, so, you know, 
but we've we've got it though. We got we got Sir Chuck Wagon, and let's be Sir real. Chuck Wagon. Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. Chuck Chuck Wagon. We salute you, sir. Chuck Wagon, MVP of the podcast. <laughs> Word. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for this week's detox. Dan has said something really awesome, and I want to give the reins to him today on this one because he came up with a really good one. So, take it away, bro. If I could pick a thesis for this, it would be acceptance. This is partly from just a lot of reading I've been doing recently and just a lot of of soul-searching. You know, I kind of had an aha moment in the last month where... I kind of realized that a lot of what was causing me distress was largely self-inflicted. What I mean by that is sort of this conflict between the person that I felt like I should be and the person that I actually am and giving too much juice to the one and not the other and not Mm -hmm. giving myself credit for who I am today in this moment and phrase I used from an article I read is fighting reality, fighting Mm. against reality. The process of sort of sitting down and taking stock of, of your life and evaluating what's real and what's just your belief about something is, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It sounds super simple to say, but when you start applying it to your life and realizing how much of your decision-making is based on things that just aren't real is pretty incredible. Can't say it enough that it's changed like everything for me in a lot of ways and has really led me to reevaluate a lot of aspects of my life and realize that like, you know, I have all of this like bitterness that I'm holding on to like towards people that are like no longer in my life and like hmm. literally the only person that is like being made unhappy by this is me and really it's over like something that's that doesn't exist it's just my own perception of things that i'm upset about you know like i don't know accepting where you are kind of lets you cut through all of that and and focus on like i'm here today and this is where i live and this is what i do and these are my friends and you know this is my life and it's not don't improve it. Don't recognize when there's things that you want to change or work on or progress. But it's not constantly telling yourself that everything is wrong. Mm. You know, that everything is, that you must change everything uh, simply because you're feeling uncomfortable in the moment. You know, it's it's made me sort of, uh, sort of also realize that like what what I'm good at is like, being good to people around me right? and being kind. And I think I actually said something similar to this either last time or one of the recent ones where I was talking about like just being good to the people that are in your sphere and how yeah. powerful a concept that can be. Cause we all tend to have this idea that like we use the phrase change the world way too much, mm-hmm. you know, like changing the world is great. But maybe not so much if it's at the expense of someone next to you. Something that literally all of us can do is to be good to each other in the moment. And 
part of accepting where you are is realizing that some of the big, big, bad things you can't change. But what you can do is little things, is kindnesses in the moment, is oh, yeah. honestly, <laughs> things like taking time to like hang out with your friend and mug it up in front of a microphone for a couple of hours. More or less no reason, just because you like laughing at his silly southern accent voice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, we always tend to get very personal in this segment, and uh, maybe it won't be apparent. But for me, it's been a major shift in thinking. Really, for the first time in years, I sort of feel... You know, current crisis notwithstanding, I sort of feel kind of at peace in a way, you know, and, and sort of comfortable with who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big step for me at any mm. rate. Happiness and peace is not something that you can force on other people. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't give someone your light, but you can be light. You can be light for others. Straight and up. For me, that is, it's details, it's little things. It's just as important as, like, the big things. Because we need a lot more of people connecting to each other on, like, a ground, granular level. How often do we just literally walk directly past other human beings and not even think twice that there's another human there? Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. you go to public spaces and just completely just go right past people and look through them. It's, I don't know, it's wild to me that, like, we have such an abundance of human interaction available to us, and we, like, our social mores dictate that we refuse virtually all of it. That blows my mind. And I just think, you know, part of that kindness is, like, building is you know, engaging with the people around you and with your community and being good to all of them. No doubt. And, uh, I don't know. That's my long incoherent rambling D talk. Well, first of all, it was incoherent. And second of all, it's, it's very important. Um, uh, very important to you. Uh, very important to me and very, very important to like, uh, um, to a lot of people. Um, I mentioned that uh, like something similar um, last, I guess, couple episodes ago, and uh, you had mentioned about um, it's like being there, like when I was mentioning about um, like being like an example and like helping guiding people, um, not help, not uh, I can't be the person to help, you know lead a person through their path they have to do that but to be uh as you said like kind of like a sign you know uh, to that they can point to that that can maybe point them to the right direction or point them to like a a good direction you know that's you know that that makes a difference and it's it's cool just seeing you with your uh like you embarking on this journey and um having like this this new line of thinking because like I guess without sounding too cliches, it seems like it changes everything. Or yeah. or at least most things that, you know, that you thought about before. Like it it just 
it puts a new perspective on things. You don't take things for granted. As we were talking about earlier this episode, this episode, you don't take things for granted. You look at things in, in, a, in great detail and uh, you just have like a greater appreciation for the for the things and the uh, the people and the lessons that are like right in front of you that can help uh, and and you with that new perspective instead of let, allowing that stuff to tear you down, you're allowing it to help uh, build you up or build off of the the things that you're learning to uh, to be a better person for a better tomorrow. So, well, you know, I. Years ago, I remember reading the famous and like now very sort of cliched uh, piece of writing by John Donne, the guy who it culminates with uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, It Tolls for Thee. One of the other famous lines from that piece is when he says, No man is an island. You know, there's sort of the, there's sort of the direct meaning of that. Oh, right. He's appealing to you not to be, to see yourself as part of part of an interconnected web and not as an individual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that your existence is dependent on others around you. And I, you know what, honestly, I hope that m- maybe we can learn something as a culture about interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, because honestly, you and I, realistically, just from a logical standpoint, like you and I are not under like mortal threat right now. Part of the reason you take those precautions is because it might be way more of a threat to the person that you pass it on to. Right? Yeah. Like, and like, you know, we have parents who are much older than we are. Right. And, you know, they, they're less. Less, they're uh, more susceptible to it, and our uh, their immune systems aren't as equipped to fight off this stuff as you know our our bodies are. And and I remember that's what Casey was talking about too. So right with her parents and stuff. Simply, so. you know, mm-hmm. just you getting it and recovering is not the whole story. No, it's because, not. You know, and I don't know. I just. It's a terrible way to learn that lesson, but we are all interconnected and our actions expand far, far beyond us. Mm. And you, unless you are literally like a person who like lives in a cabin in the woods, like you interact with other people every single day. And Mm -hmm. all of those, we went to the store today and we interacted with many different people. We walked by people in the aisles. We said, excuse me. We, I moved my cart so someone could get past. You know, those are all interactions. Those are all mm. ways that we came into someone else's life for a brief moment and then, you know, we're gone. America loves its, like, rugged individualism and this idea that, like, one person can do it all by themselves. And no, no, you can't. Don't even try. Not even Jordan could do it by himself. He needed a Scottie Pippen. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're just getting to the point of detox where we just are repeating the same thesis again. But <laughs> I, that's something that's very important to me is for, I hope as many people as possible realize that like interconnectedness and interdependence doesn't have to be a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh God, these idiots might get me killed. It can also <laughs> be a positive thing. If you get in a car accident Mm. Odds are every stranger around you who's never met you in their life 
is going to probably stop their car, jump out, and run over to see if you're okay. Hmm. That in itself, that's a comforting thought, if you think about it. It really is. Sometimes it ain't always as bad as you think. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, we are getting ready to... We are going to uh, bid you all adieu. Uh, just thank you once again for just uh, sitting through another episode uh, of our podcast. You know, we we do it do it for you guys. Do it. Uh, don't do it for the glory. Do it for the fans. The two fans we have. <laughs> so. I, as always, like I really, I really hope that we were maybe able to keep spirits up a little bit. I honestly, it helped me keep spirits up because Word. I am gonna probably rewind and listen to his. Listen to that. Listen to that, Sir Chuck Wagon part <laughs> a number of times. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Yo. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be. Yeah, no, Sir Chuck Wagon is now the new legend of our podcast. That actually is a, a, a food item that's called a Chuck Wagon. Right up there with, uh, right up there with, um, Gucci, uh, with Gucci, Gucci. and Prophet Asia. And the Prophet Sam Kinky. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, there was also the, uh, the. Houston Rockets lineup that was called Tuck Wagon because it involved playing PJ Tucker at the five. Oh um, my god! So you know, there's that. Man, but I mean, as lineup names go, I think the death lineup always wins for like coolest name of a lineup. Or I guess maybe the 1927 Yankees Murderers Row. Ooh. Anyways, uh, yes. Uh, we thank you all for listening and. For the love of God, wash your goddamn hands. Yeah. Uh, stay safe. Uh, use common sense. Listen to scientists, not the president. Cool. Thanks. What's your, what's your line? Oh, yes. And you know, I love that this line now has an amazing new context. Oh, my God. <laughs> Think about it. Think about this for a minute. I wish that I could just hug you all, but I'm not going to. Someday he will. I, I wish I could just hug you all, but I'm going to practice social distancing. <laughs> and you should too. <laughs> oh. Thanks, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
I hope you enjoy your declining revenue and declining fans and, you know, the fact that literally, like, no young people seem to be getting interested in your sport for some reason, maybe because it's so goddamn boring. <laughs>